0: Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day none other than Jeff Wiggins, Rebel HQ contributor and host of We Gonna Be All Right, always a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day Clarence Affirmative Action, Money bag, Thomas. The news again, why? Because more rich people. I've been exposed as purchasing, I mean funding certain things connected to the Supreme Court justice. Uh, Let's put up the picture full mass of the very happy couple. You see, if you had individuals paying all your bills, you would have that exact look on your face right there. (laughs) Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has accepted lavish gifts over the years. Including the cost of his wedding reception, a New York Times investigation now reveals. Scrutiny of Thomas has increased since an April 2023 ProPublica report detailed the relationship between the justice and billionaire GOP donor Harlan Crow, who bought property from Thomas in an undisclosed deal in 2014. Crow also paid for private school tuition for a young relative of Thomas that Thomas was raising. And treated Thomas and his wife to vacations on his luxury yacht. None of this stuff got reported. In its latest report, the Times detailed lavish gifts, some of which predate Thomas's time on the Supreme Court. I'm going to explain why that's important soon. In the mid 1980s, when Thomas was chairperson of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, a buddy paid for a Bahamas vacation for him and an unnamed girlfriend. The ex-girlfriend snitched, let's put him up. He's been on this show multiple times. He's actually a decent individual contrary to his absolutely insane politics. He's a good friend of Clarence Thomas. So another friend, a conservative commentator Armstrong Williams told the paper that he he paid for the reception at the wedding of Thomas to his wife, Virginia in 1987. The Times report largely focuses on Thomas's embrace by uh, by the Horatio Alger Association of Distinguished Americans, which funds what? Needs based scholarships and counts among its members, the ultra wealthy and ultra powerful. Thomas became a member of the association soon after he joined the Supreme Court in 1991. Now you're looking at a picture of when Armstrong Williams was on the bullpen. Just for the record, Armstrong has never paid for any of my trips, nor the upcoming <laughs> wedding that I may have one day. He has not offered. Through his friendship, unbelievable, Forge with the wealthy, Thomas has accessed a lifestyle of lavish parties, vacations, VIP tickets, sports events, the paper reported, it goes into much detail. And though it's linked to Thomas, the association gained unique access to the court. To the court itself for its ceremonies, a privilege the association touts in its fundraising, the paper said. Thomas declined to respond to the paper's detailed request for comment. Thomas declined to respond to papers, detailed requests for comment. After the LA Times reported on a series of gifts in 2004, including plane flights, expensive cigars, a silver buckle and rawhide coat. Thomas stopped making gifts from people he considered friends public. This was on the advice of quote colleagues and others. In the judiciary, the New York Times reported. So let me explain some things here. The last statement highlights the reality of, let's just say, non transparency at the highest level of governance. Instead of being more transparent when the LA Times did that report a few years ago, the response from Clarence Thomas was to become less transparent, to tell you. Less information about his possible, let's just say, inappropriate entanglements, to be less transparent. The fact that he became a member of this elite organization a few years before becoming a Supreme Court Justice gives you an idea that he was possibly compromised then. And that compromise continued throughout his. Judiciary appointment and today, why is it that no one can point to a clear violation of the rule because they didn't have any. Technically, they still don't. Please keep in mind, if a lobbyist, a lobbyist, somebody we consider to be at the, let's just say low totem of the chain here of political operators. A lobbyist has a higher ethical standard than a US Supreme Court justice. A lobbyist has to report tickets, gifts, VIP events, anything of value. A lobbyist is bound by law to report it. Every judge that sits on a bench from traffic court to a state Supreme Court must adhere to an ethical guideline of judicial conduct, except for members of the United States Supreme Court. These things are not normative in a democracy, but they are in a dictatorship. We have these elements of checks and balances, as we say. We learned this in high school, some of us before. But those checks and balances mean nothing when there's no ability to enforce them. And that's exactly what you have currently in the US Supreme Court. All right, Jeff, thoughts here.
1: Before I get to what I gotta say, I wanna mention this. Justice Samuel Alito got an undisclosed luxury trip he took in 2008 with hedge fund billionaire Paul Singer. Just in case a political pundit or conservative politician says two black men addressing Justice Thomas is only because he's a black conservative. It's among the many things we don't like about him, including the rawhide coat, but not the only (laughs) thing. Anyway, so we're talking about billionaires, businessmen, a real estate developer, captains of industry. They didn't get rich by not getting returns on their investment. So we gotta ask ourselves, what is Harlan Crow getting back from all these gifts he's getting Justice Thomas? Gotta be something. He's just not passing out money and not getting it back. That's not the nature of a billionaire. That's all I want to know. Please let me know what he's getting back. Because it kind of seems like some of these Supreme Court decisions may be swayed one way or another by the money.
0: Yeah, and keep in mind, you made a great point. These individuals operate based on what's called an ROI standard. Mm. ROI simply means return on investment. Return on investment standard is how they operate. If you think they give a bunch of money and get nothing in return, Mm-mm. Well, that's exactly what they would like you to believe. All right, hell of a thing. Republicans get into a brawl. Police are called, somebody has to go to the ER, it's a big deal. But they're trying to downplay it, we will give you the facts. Let's put up the picture for a mask. I'm going to take it to Michigan. According to Detroit News, police were called to the Darty Hotel in downtown Claire Michigan on Saturday, after scuffle, a fight broke out between Republican lawmakers at a state party committee this weekend. Wayne County Republican James Chapman and a county Republican chair Mark DeYoung both spoke to the Detroit News about the altercation. DeYoung by phone from an emergency room after the brawl. DeYoung told the Detroit News he will be pressing charges in the incident. Okay, among the incredible details of the GOP battle were the fact that it began with the hallway pledge of allegiance and doorknob wriggle involving or involved flip the bird and flipping a table, and eventually, according to DeYoung resulted in a growing punt and a broken rib. He kicked me in my, mm, as soon as I opened the door. De young told Margaret by phone referring to the actions of Chapman. Who was angry that the meeting was only for committee members. So let me say this now, according to the narrative, of one of the individuals involved. As soon as the door opened, the adversarial party kicked him in the gonads. It's according to him. The man did an interview from the ER because he got kicked in between his legs. And he says he's pressing charges. Uh, the scuffle intensified according to the narrative. When Chapman running at DeYoung and slamming him into a car, DeYoung said, DeYoung provided his account in a phone interview from the ER. DeYoung said that he suffered a broken rib. Chapman alleged that DeYoung had said, "I kick your um" mm, and swung at him. DeYoung denied those claims. At one point, Chapman removed his own glasses. Chapman said, "When you see me taking my glasses off, I'm ready to rock." <laughs> Chapman, <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on, Jeff. Let me get through it, brother. Chapman said. (laughs) Chapman. Let's put the pictures up again, please. Let's just, please, let's put the pictures up. (laughs) Can you imagine any one of them saying, When you see me taking my glasses off, I'm ready to rock. Uh. But it happened. (laughs) It is a fact for the earth right now. All right. Uh, Chapman said he took DeYoung young by the legs and knocked him over. Uh, let's put up the tweet from one of the fellow state committee members. Her name is Kristen Lee. Kristen Lee stressed on Twitter that the altercation took place outside the meeting room and was not predicated on any disagreements. Really, they were fighting because they were agreeable. They were fighting because they agreed with each other. I, I don't understand, what's your point? All right, so it says state committee member here, I was there. I caution people not to believe everything you heard intended to sell papers or provided by emotionally driven reactions. Inside our meeting had robust debate. Our founders would be proud of hashtag preserving our republic. Hashtag civil discourse, hashtag I'm ready to rock. All right, listen, Madam, I get what you're trying to do here, uh, Kristen. Uh, But the man said what happened, all right? He said when he took his glasses off, that that means I'm ready to rock. And listen, I can understand where he's coming from, all right? Um, I have a similar notion. If you see me taking my glasses off, we're in a debate, we're in an argument, it's gone too far, I'm ready to rock. All right, Jeff, thoughts here? So I'm going to need some kind of thing around my face
1: to take off in order to let people know I need business. I do have adult braces. So when I get my retainer, if you see me take that that's gross. never mind, that's <laughs> gross. I don't know why a distinction was being made about the articulation and whether or not it was because of disagreement. Clearly something happened. So like, was, were they about to fight because they agreed on something? Very much confused. I'm also concerned about the fact that there's no video. I'm not condoning violence, I don't think they should or should not fight. But I am condoning me seeing the evidence of it. So that's right. we're gonna have to follow up on this, right? That's what we do here yes. on, okay, okay, yeah. great, good. Follow Once there's an update, up. I am going to see the video.
0: All right, I hope the video exists. Um, and I will say this, she said the founding fathers would have been proud. No, the founding fathers would have shot them. <laughs> that's what would have happened. That's how they got down. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this was a really scary situation that could have ended in disaster. A man working gets the police called on him, and it is obviously um, racist. A prank they call it swatting. Let's go to the video. Here it is.
1: We got a call of four black males tying up an old now. kidnapping him.
2: I don't know nothing about that. Live
1: here, or you just keep working on it? Hey, you can knock at the door, bro. No, i No, some work here, though. I mean, you can knock at the door if you want. Okay. Okay. You, no one else called. I you guys have any issues with anybody? No. 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 You said they said what? They said they saw one old male get kidnapped by four black males with guns. Bro, it's just two of us here. Yeah, no, so we wanted to find out where that, did anyone leave that? No, we're just the only, we're black, but it's two of us. We're doing gutters. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. So, you know, swatting, that's what we think it is, where they- What is that? Where they call to have a police response for something. Hey, sir, sir, you have police here, saying someone's getting kidnapped by black guys. Oh my God, look at this Chris. He said someone said that four black guys were Yeah, so we gotta call it an old male was getting kidnapped Chris, Chris Take your headphones off Police said we kidnapping the the customers They out front, bro bro? Damn, bro, got them dumbass headphones on Police all out front Saying four black guys kidnapping the old dude I'm out of here, bro
0: That's I'm I'm not even about to finish this job, bro. I concur, um, that could have ended in the death of multiple people. Put up the picture of the officer, I wanna commend this officer. You have to remember the officer is simply receiving a 911 dispatch that says, there's a report for black men, they've kidnapped an elderly white male. Here's the address, I commend this officer. Because he did not come guns blazing. He did not say get on the ground, hands up. I'm detaining you until I figure out what's going on. He was smart enough to know when he pulled up, these looked like workers. And they were obviously not trying to flee, which would be evidence of misconduct according to the Supreme Court. This occurred possibly over the weekend in Orchard Park. We're still trying to get information, Orchard Park, New York. According to the poster's page, the poster of the video claims it was a racist neighbor that in fact called the police. He commended the officers for their handling of the situation because it could have turned out much worse by having to walk off the job. They missed out on $1,700 according to the poster's replies. So they did leave the job. They decided to abandon the work. And that was probably the intent of the person who called the police in the first place. Now, here's what I need to have happen. This is a life and death situation created by somebody who has racial, uh, racial aggression against black people working in the community, obviously. They could have died, been severely injured or arrested unlawfully. The penalty for whoever made that call needs to fit the crime that actually did happen. The only crime that took place was the person that called. So I'm looking for an update and an example to be made to be made on the individual who did this to the neighbor and to the black workers in that community. All right, Jeff, thoughts?
1: Yeah, you reported yourself on similar situations where the police were called and they came out guns ablazing, yep, asking questions after pulling out weapons on people. So good job out of that officer for coming in, kind of knowing what could be taking place. Yep. Apparently, these people were swatted and that was a very oddly specific thing that they were accused of doing by whoever called them in the first place. Like why that of all things? And that Chris moving forward, Keep your headphones off or at least down so you can know <laughs> right. that this might happen, man. Because like yeah. that dude, the original guy, we're trying to get out of there for very good reason. So hopefully moving forward, he will know what to do.
0: There you go. Well said. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show. Um, I'm gonna read some comments, just a couple. Gotta be quick. Cheesecake Brownie. I'm surprised he hasn't uh, renewed his wedding vows. So someone else can pay for that reception. Uh, Self Michael Dragonski, does Justice Moneybags Thomas pay uh, anything other than attention to dismantling civil rights? That was Mm. a good one. Mm. Yep, all right, let's do one more. All right, Twitch, Uh, Doc, we could pay for your next wedding. Mike boy for mayor. All right, I appreciate it. I haven't had a first one yet. All right, <laughs> so to say the next one, you know. But if I need to have two weddings paid for, I'm coming straight to you, Mike. I appreciate the offer. All right. Got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen Wood.
2: You wanna call the police on them for having a
1: barbecue on a I Sunday. you feel so great, so back off. I'm gonna tell an African American man threatening my life.
2: Exactly what gonna yeah. So who's the head honcho joke here? You tell me. Come on, kiss me. Kiss me. And tell me who's the head honcho here. I'm what, I'm not hot enough for you? I'm not hot enough? I'm not sexy enough? Whoa. I'm just you. Tell me hot. Tell me I'm sexy. Tell me. Tell me. tell me. tell me. Tell me. Now control hold. Oh, animal control. Because let's look. Like a mad woman, and you're gonna break my bones? You're gonna break my bones, security? Security's gonna break my bones to give f- you a what, what are you doing What are you doing What are you doing? What are you
0: doing that? This has been making rounds on social media. Uh, it is categorized as caring on social media. I want to highlight something else, uh, because the woman may be experiencing a mental health crisis. We do not know conclusively, but I do know this conclusively that the officers involved absolutely understood the art of de escalation. The officers involved understood the art of professionalism. They were spit upon, they were resisted. They were still professional. I highlight this to highlight one reality. When we say that police officers need more training when they violate the rights of a citizen, When we say police officers need more awareness about the rights of others, that'll fix it. I don't see the training being the issue. The issue is their own internal doctrine as it relates to class and race. If they believe that you are worthy of human treatment, they would treat you as such. If they believe you are not, they will refuse. And when that happens, there must be accountability. Now, obviously they could have become more physical with this woman. They could have started shouting extremely aggressive things at her. They could have maced her, tasered her. They could have even shot her. I want you to put it in this context. Let's say there's a black male doing the exact same thing. Oh, we've seen that story many times where either the police or a random ass citizen will kill a black male that's unarmed because that black male may be experiencing a bad day. Jeff Thoughts.
1: First time I saw this, the only thing I thought was, oh, she's alive. Yep. We've seen, and you just put it eloquently right there. We've seen what happened to Sandra Bland. So good job out of the cops. And we should see that more consistently, more consecutively, don't we think?
0: That's right, there you go. So we highlight the good ones to provide that atmosphere to the universe. Hopefully, it will stick. Okay, anti Karens unite.
1: You scream at an employees Walmart, get out of here.
2: language jackass. This smells like feces eaters, doesn't it? <laughs> Say why hi to TikTok. See, why somebody's got a problem? Say hi to TikTok. is number one. Yup. Say louder for her. You're ignorant. I don't sexualize children. That's (laughs) it. And we do. And we do. I didn't say you did. Must have a guilt. Enjoy the ride. Like you sat next to us. Talk to them like that. I didn't talk to like anything. Yeah, were they
1: talk, what were they, was she saying stuff to you? She was so racist. Yeah,
2: with yeah. ignorant you remarks. get off the train. I, said I, get said, off of the I train. said
1: I don't sexualize children, I'm not getting off the train. because You need, I need to get off of the train. You can't sexualize. talk to the passengers like that. I'm not talking to anybody, I'm looking out the window. Every person in this car said that you were talking to him like right that way. No, I
2: don't know every person in this car, so I don't know what a problem.
1: For. You need to get off of the train. All right, look <laughs> at me. You will never ride my train again. I will look at you and tell you you can't ride. You understand that? I can't physically remove you, but I can stop you from getting on. Do not talk to the passengers. That i am not talking to them. Yes, you are. So get off in Hartford and do not get back on my train ever again. You see me, walk away. Okay?
2: Thank you. God bless.
0: My man. Put up his picture. He's a real human being who obviously cares deeply about people, period. He decided to engage the passenger directly. Complaints were coming in about the harassment this woman was doing against others. And according to the narrative, the racism actually started before the recording did. So the recording catches the tail end of it. But to me, it catches the most important part. The part where someone stood up, said stop it and provided an actual penalty immediately. He didn't come in to equivocate. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes some, Authority figure will come in and say, everybody just calm down. Everybody just chill. He didn't do that. He went directly to the source of the disruption. The one who was making the comments, did she lie? Yeah, we saw that she provided plenty of lies about what happened. He did not have the authority to physically remove her. He tried to make her leave, but he did not have the authority to physically remove her. But he did have the authority It does have the authority to say you cannot ride on my cart, my train anymore and he utilized that authority, I think appropriately. Thank you for standing up and to the woman who recorded it. Thank you for standing up for yourself. When you do not stand up for yourself, <clears throat> you teach others how to treat you and everyone who looks like you. Make sure they know you are not to be messed with. All right, Jeff thoughts. I'm gonna assume
1: that this woman who had some nasty things to say about people she did not know. I to assume this was not her first time lashing out like this and saying some inappropriate things. And so hopefully this will put a stop and end to that moving forward with her life because that was unnecessary nonsense that she laid a light about when someone with authority came and stepped to her. So good job out of him. And again, good job out of the person who did the recording as well.
0: Yep. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show. Let me read some of the amazing comments. Thank you for joining the combo. Eclectic miscellanea. calling Scotus, kangaroo court, will be an insult to kangaroos. They only keep babies in their pouches, they don't stuff them with millions in bribe money. It's <laughs> a very good point. <laughs> I am socks says GOP, growing oriented punt. That was from the last story about the, yeah. All right, Uh, Brett Campbell aka dragging my ass. We are getting severe flooding here in Vermont and my dog and I had to evacuate our place. I hope all my TYT family are safe wherever you are. Um, I hope you are safe. Um, I did not know about the severe flooding, so please make sure you are safe. You are comfortable, all right? Um, And thank you for that update. Bill Dragon circles the wagon scuffle involves two people fighting. Getting info from the ER implies one person got their ass whooped. (laughs) (laughs) He did call from the ER, all right? Okay, C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. This is what needs to happen more often. Racist people need to be checked openly, firmly, and deliberately. Embarrass these sick, demented people. That's right, public shaming. Okay, and one more. Layman underscore shaman. Speaking on someone to assault. She assaulted an officer and he didn't punch her in the face. Calling me impressed by the police there. He didn't, you're right. All right, Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you to the worst rob of all time, here it is.
2: Uh Everybody get out! Get me out of the money! It's got the boxes! Get me out of money! Get out! Where's the money? Get in the money! Okay. Where's the money? Everybody, give me everything! Where's the money?
0: Let's go ahead, let's go to the next video real quick. All right, okay, let me do this. Put up the screenshots, see, what am I supposed to say? (laughs) Sir, the Lord is trying to tell you something. You walked in to a nail salon, a nail salon, with a bag over your hand to mimic a weapon. Now, could you have had a gun underneath that weap that bag? Yes, you could have had a weapon. Seriously, nobody believed it. And in an era where gun violence has been out of control, individuals are doing all kinds of insane deeds, you would imagine that somebody would have at least responded in a way that seemingly believed that you actually could have had a gun. Nobody did. Let's put up the other picture. Uh, he eventually just walks out after he realizes that nobody is paying attention to him. Unfortunately. There's now a $2,000 reward for his arrest. Oh. Man, this guy's having a bad day. So if, sir, if you get caught, and I actually think you will, the you know, given what I've seen here. <laughs> you may want to consider doing something completely different with your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have put fear in a lot of people. Obviously, you didn't. But you <laughs> could have. All right, you could have made some people very, very upset that day. Uh, And you could have been killed yourself because if you would have went to another establishment, they would have shot you dead, sir, and would have been completely justified. Get your life together, man. Jeff, thoughts here.
1: I don't know what else y'all put in y'all's lemon pepper wet wings down in Atlanta, <laughs> but I'ma need me some to get that level of unbothered that those patrons in that nail salon had. They were just like, oh man, this is just I don't, I don't. What am I supposed to? Who's this guy? I don't know. And they were more like, hey, like you're not gonna ditch me. My turn is next. Like you can go on somewhere else. That was beautiful, dangerous. Don't do that again. But yeah. beautiful. Hey, do you think that guy's going to turn himself in in order to get that two thousand dollars? He doesn't <laughs> seem that smart, but he does under. seem like somebody who needs the money. And look, I was talking to super producer Jordan about my career path, and I'm like, you know, some people just need a sign from the Lord to let them know they need to do something different. He just got his. Like, he's going to be put behind bars for sure. But after that, he should do something outside of trying to rob people with his fingers.
0: That's that's <laughs> right. Listen, man, you may wanna call a friend of yours. Have your friend turn you in, split to 2,000. (laughs) Hell of a thing, Jehovah's Witnesses under investigation for what? For sexually assaulting children. Let's put up the picture full mass. Five Jehovah's Witnesses. In a Pennsylvania based church, have been charged for being predators. This comes after a year long investigation into these men. You see, one is unpictured. I'm going to give you the background. The children were all also members of Jehovah's Witnesses congregations, and the alleged abusers gained access to and the trust of the victims through the organization, authority said. The case includes alleged sexual abuse of a four year old child and a developmentally disabled victim. Pennsylvania Attorney General Michelle Henry announced charges Friday against David Belosa 62, Errol William Hall 50, Sean Sheffer 45, Terry Booth, 57, and Luis Manuel Ayala Velasquez, 55, for sexual abusing minors across the entire state. The charge is a part of an investigation of child abuse into Jehovah's Witnesses community launched by the Attorney General's Office back in 2019. We actually reported on something similar within the same organization not too long ago, Velosa from Philadelphia has been charged with indecent assault, aggravated indecent assault and corruption of minors. He allegedly sexually assaulted a four-year-old girl whom he met through the Jehovah's Witnesses community when he was in his 30s. Belosa allegedly assaulted the girl in her family's basement and told her not to tell anyone what he had done. A family at a witness congregation in in the city's neighborhood involved Belosa to stay, inviting him to stay with them after he moved to the area from Angola, Belosa then 35 sexual abuse, the four year old daughter in the basement. According to court documents, Belosa has not yet been apprehended by authorities. Hall was charged with indecent assault without consent. Indecent assault, forcible compulsion and corruption of minors for inappropriately touching a 16 year old girl whom he met through the community. Sheffer has been charged with rape aggravated indecent assault, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, and indecent assault and corruption, minors. He allegedly repeatedly did this to a developmentally disabled younger sister, starting when she was seven years of age and he was 18 according to the report. The grand jury heard testimony that these intrusions, Occurred approximately 50 to 75 times. These violations lasted until the girl was 12 years of age. Put their pictures up again. If true, obviously these are monsters. There's a practice inside of the Witness Church where they will allow individuals to abide in their homes Uh, because, for the most part, those who are Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, even though I believe restrictive in their theology, they are decent individuals. I need a collective response from the church. Now I'm saying this in all due respect to the Jehovah's Witnesses. I know this is not the majority thinking of your members, I get that. And I know some of you personally, Many uh, many have debated me on theology, good. I would be less than appropriate if I did not call you out as an organization. The reason is because just like I've called out the Catholic Church when they said nothing, just like I called out the Southern Baptist Convention when they said nothing, I call out the Jehovah's Witnesses if you all say nothing. These men were among your leadership and membership. All right, Jeff, thoughts here?
1: What makes matters worse and makes these alleged crimes even more horrible is again as you alluded to they use a faith based practice for yep. their own gain. that is terrible it has to make a community or several communities distrust them how are they going to move forward with something like this because that practice is i can i guess i can understand how It's taken advantage of and it shouldn't be that way. And again, this isn't something that we could or should expect from everybody or all of them. But something like this may wanna change some things like from here on out.
0: Yeah, very unfortunate, bad people take advantage of decent situations. And now we have to vet out those individuals through sometimes extreme measures, but it's worth it when it comes to children in particular. All right, we got more. On the other side is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Good to have you join the conversation. I'm pressed for time, so I gotta read some of these comments very quick. C Michael Henson, thank you again C Michael. This is what needs to happen more often. Racist people need to be checked openly, firmly and deliberately. Yep, we read that, okay. Embarrass these significant of people, concurred again. James Thompson, thank you James, um, I'm a fan. Want to know? Oh man, what happened to the iguana? I can't even talk about it. The iguana's fine. Uh, you know, somebody in the chat provide the update. All right, see Michael again. bet you hundred dollars that his fingers had no bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Savage bear, five dollars. Uh, I, I appreciate you so much. I don't know. How to, I don't know how to feel sorry. For more, the customers of the would-be robber. I know that it was one of the situations with Dale. Kind of feel <laughs> sorry for both of them. That's the first, by the way, uh, of me having that dilemma. All right. And Lacroix says, "I wish we had more antique videos. I love them so much. We do too, but we need more Anticas." All right. A missing teenager found in Marine barracks. In Camp Pendleton. This is a damn shame. Put up the peach full mask. I'm about to give you a hell of a story to an evil industry connected now to the United States Marine. United States Marine taken into custody after a missing 14 year old girl was found in the barracks at Camp Pendleton. The Marine's name has not yet been published. We know he was in. Battalion 5, Combat Logistics 5, First Marine Logistics Group. A U.S. Marine was taken into custody after a missing 14-year-old girl was found inside the barracks at Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton. This was in San Diego. And the teen's family says she was sold for sexual reasons and sexually violated by the alleged perpetrator. The teenage girl who had learning disabilities, she has learning disabilities, allegedly ran away from her home on June 9th. And was reported missing by her grandmother on June 13th. She was discovered inside the barracks by military police on June 28th, almost 20 days after she disappeared. Her aunt Cassandra Perez said, we do have this photo, this is all we have. The unnamed Marine was arrested, seen in this photo being escorted and handcuffed by military police. This is a statement from the aunt. The reality is, the whole facility allowed this to happen. The security looked her in the face and allowed this man to bring a minor onto base, where he then proceeded to have sex with her. Due to her age, she could not have given this. Consent. Naval Criminal Investigative Services is handling the investigation. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department and the San Diego Human Trafficking Task Force are supporting NCIS with the investigation. Now, if the UNTS claim is correct, you have a bigger problem than just this one Marine.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It would mean That everybody there from entry to exit had knowledge, was aware, and possibly participated in the human trafficking and sexual exploitation of a minor in the United States Marine Corps. Um, I know Marines. I have a producer who's a Marine. Marines are good people, fight hard, work diligently. This is a bad story. For them and for this country, severe penalty and an exhaustive, authentically exhaustive investigation must accompany this. All right, Jeff, thoughts here.
1: I wanna say this based on what her aunt provided as far as a quote. I wanna provide this to everybody considering what legislation is being passed out around in this country. Mm. Due to her age, she could not have given this consent. This is something that we should preach and practice all the time based on legislation that's being passed in this country more often. This story is gross and horrible and I'm hoping the other people involved, because there has to be, as you said, I hope justice is brought to them as well.
0: Yeah, there you go. We will update this story as it develops. Very sad judicial ruling judge has dismissed a Tulsa massacre reparations lawsuit that was expected to go forward. Let's put up the picture for a mask. I would give you the about face of this judge. Oklahoma judge has now dismissed a lawsuit seeking reparations in Tulsa, Oklahoma. A lawsuit was filed, if you remember back in 2021, by the remaining survivors by Ola Fletcher, Leslie Benefield Randall, and Hughes Van Ellis. They targeted the Board of County Commissioners, Tulsa Metropolitan Area Planning Commission, the County Sheriff's Office along with the Oklahoma Military Department, Tulsa Chamber, and the Tulsa Development Authority. They were children when the massacre occurred over 100 years ago today. Let's keep that picture up because I wanna remind everyone this was in fact a terrorist attack, call it a massacre. I've heard other people call it a riot. There's no riot when one Mm -hmm. side has all of the weapons, all of the advantages and all of the law to support them and protect them. what they did was they decided to engage in acts of domestic terrorism and coordinated with official authorities of government to do so, to cover it up. These are the survivors of that attack. They were children when it happened. Let me give you background on the case. According to a 2001 report by a state sponsored commission, the terrorist attack erupted May 31st, 1921. After a white mob attempted to lynch, hang a 19-year-old black uh, teenager shoe shiner named Dick Rowland. Rowland had been riding in an elevator with a white teenager named Sarah Page, who reportedly screamed, <coughs> resulting in a white mob falsely accusing Rowland of sexual assault. As tensions escalated, black residents of Greenwood went to the court to defend the shoe shiner. But they were outnumbered by their white counterparts. The next day, June 1st, 1921, the black neighborhood endured 24 hours of looting and arson at the hands of white rioters. Now, I want to pause on this point just for a quick second. Back then, if you were a black business owner and you were required to have insurance, insurance companies would specifically disallow any claim based on a racial attack. Be it a riot or something like this, which is terrorism, okay? They refuse to cover it. There's more, we just heard people running and screaming and could smell smoke, seeing houses burning and people getting shot, falling dead said Fletcher. One of the survivors now 109 years old told CNN, she continued saying, "Quote." In every direction you look, really, there was something going on. And we always wondered why, nobody had time to tell. Legal action seeking justice and accountability. The remaining survivors sought to establish a dedicated fund for victims and their descendants, seeking redress for the racial attacks that ravaged the Greenwood district in 1921, resulting in the death of 300 people. And the destruction of a thriving black community. The aftermath of this attack left damages accounting to tens of millions of dollars in today's currency, eradicating generational wealth within the once affluent neighborhood. The victims also demanded an official acknowledgement from the defendants that the massacre constituted a public nuisance under the Oklahoma state law, affecting the former black residents of the Greenwood District and the offspring. They claimed the city and insurance companies failed to compensate them for their losses. And the city officials actively hindered efforts to rebuild their community. And as a result, the riot destroyed the economic standing. Let me give you the damages. As determined by the commission's findings, the estimated total cost of the damages adjusted for today's value is $27 million. The report also indicates that over 1,250 homes and two hospitals were destroyed, leaving a scorched path of racial violence encompassing 35 blocks. And what they don't mention is the psychological damage that it did beyond that moment. That continues today in the body of a 109-year-old woman that just got denied her opportunity of justice before passing on. The defendant's argument. The defendants argued that some plaintiffs had not directly proved they suffered because of the massacre and that the court could not provide redress for the alleged damages. Additionally, the US court judge James O Ellison had previously ruled in 2004 that the victims were ineligible for reparations due to the considerable time that had elapsed since the massacre occurred. Even though people who went through it are still living and adversely affected to this day. Damn shame, but this is the country we're in today. So when anyone champions a policy that is also supported by people like Ron the Satan, you need to check yourself. Jeff, thoughts?
1: I want to remind people that Viola Ford Fletcher, the oldest living survivor of the Tulsa race massacre, uh, massacre, wrote a book called Don't Let Them Bury My Story, which is so appropriate, yet so layered of a title. Because as we know, 102 years after this massacre, there are still black people in their history buried under Oklahoma soil right right now. And as you said, the distress, the damage lived on forever. So I don't understand. I don't even know what else to say about how horrible of a decision this is. Like this is awful. But we also know that Tulsa wasn't the only city in America that this was done to. That's right. I mean, the moon bombing in Philadelphia, my word. That was only what, 30 something years ago. So horrible decision.
0: Yeah, according to some narratives, some books have come out. You had hundreds of these uh, Mm -hmm. destructive um, dangerous mobs all over America coming after black cities that were thriving. And I will say this in closing about the story. I don't think this is over. Uh, This is something that obviously Democrats should speak to. Uh, This should be at the highest level of government to articulate why this is important, why this is a tragedy, why this ruling is wrong. And what can we do about it? That's not being said, it needs to be quickly. Jeff, always a pleasure dear brother having you on the show. Tell people they can follow you, check out your great work.
1: Yeah, you can follow me and catch me on Revelation Q every day of the week. And I also have a YouTube channel called We're Gonna Be All Right.
0: There it is. All right, we got more on the other side. The bullpen is next, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. I'm gonna read some of these amazing comments and only have time for really just a couple. Um, Code SM. Dash 96, Doc, thank you for all of your good work, and thank you, i sharp as iron. Also, Also, Mickey the Silverhead Dragon, wishful thinking, Doc. Women and children have come forward for years to talk about the sexual abuse and the refusal of the JWs to hold their people accountable. Uh, this is nothing new. All right, okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, he's back, Mr. Andrew Donaldson. And it is commentator Young Voices, but we're gonna talk today about Ron DeSantis of the state of Florida. Governor of Florida, he has been, let's just say, dipping in the polls. All right, Mr. Donaldson, good day, welcome. Good to be back with you, sir, wonderful to talk again. Same here, brother, okay. Uh, I'm not a Republican, but I assumed that given the supposed popularity of regressive policies, the racism touted from his political position, and his fascination with being anti-woke, that he would be doing much better in the Republican Party. Tell me what's happening.
3: Well, you're a legal student, let's work on the proffer of what Ron DeSantis as a candidate is supposed to be in this election. The premise is, okay. he's going to be the alternative to Donald Trump. And he's been pitching himself both as less of Donald Trump to some of the more moderate folks and more of Donald Trump to some of the more ultra mega folks. The problem is now we're starting to get some data that neither one of those sets are really buying it. And more than that, I haven't seen a lot of evidence in the polls or otherwise that the folks that are the base of the Republican Party that's still on Donald Trump, Want an alternate at all? You look at all the early polling, the national polling is what it is. That's gonna be all over the place until we get into August and September in the meat of this campaign. If you look at those four early states that really matter, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, even some Florida polling came out this morning. He's significantly behind and they're not really moving. This race is really static. That's not boding well for him, his plan, what he's pitching. I think the premise of this whole thing may just be off that. Maybe they don't really want an alternative when the alternative is facing him. And on the other side of the ticket.
0: You know That is interesting you say that because you have two individuals who are kind of running counter to Trump uh, in specific but different ways. Ron DeSantis is running a, hey, I'm, I'm better than Trump here. I'm stronger than Trump there without saying the name Donald Trump. Political action committees do have commercials that have been Uh, Quite entertaining, ripping up both of these individuals directly. Then you have the New Jersey guy. You have uh, uh, you have uh, the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, basically saying, "I'm just anti-Trump, period." And every speech is just anti-Trump. Both of them combined are still beneath the popularity of Trump in the latest poll. One of the dynamics that struck me was that DeSantis is literally losing support. I assumed he would maintain it, he's losing support. So let me give you an example. He was at 19% nationwide, and I know nationwide is all over the place. And so you're correct on that, but it gives you a sentiment of popularity. Then he drops 16% and some polls uh, recent polling data per state. They have him even below that. Where a third, uh, a number three is now starting to become number two. So, do you believe that there's an appetite inside of the Rep- Republican Party to elect anyone but Trump? And I offer this question in this context Trump gained more votes or more popularity in the Republican Party based on these surveys after the two indictments, not before. What right. say you?
3: I think it's a fair point because it's always, well, what would ever change anybody's in mind? Uh, Let's step back a little big picture here. One of my questions going into this primary when I kind of just started looking at a big picture is, it's kind of like the old fire triangle, right? You need fuel, you need ignition, and you need oxygen. The problem with Trump and trying to run against Trump against the base is, there's only so much oxygen and, and he sucks it all up. Constantly in multitudes of ways. So he's already got multiple indictments. He may be having more coming. We don't know what's going to happen in Georgia or with the DC cases and these other things. Is there anything coming down the pike that's really going to change those Fifth Avenue folks we've been joking about for the last few years? Is there anything coming down the pike that's going to change those? Remember, these are primaries. You get around 30%, you're probably going to win a wide primary with multiple candidates. That's how he won them the first time. That's right. He's doing great in places like Iowa, which he didn't win in 2016. I just wonder not policy wise, cuz that's not why people like Trump anyway, not just political wise, which isn't one of the big reasons people like Trump anyway. The ideology and the cult of personality and that stuff, I just don't know that there's enough oxygen in this race for anybody else to get close to him. And I don't think that's changed since I first started thinking about it and I think we're seeing that in that polling you just mentioned.
0: Let me highlight something Mr. Donaldson just said that I completely concur with and it was your 30% number. Based on the number of people running now, if Donald Trump gets between 22 to 26% in virtually all races, right? All states, he wins the nomination. He did something very similar to last time and it's because it's a plurality. And mm-hmm. when you have a plurality, uh, 50% plus one no longer applies. You simply have to hold a significant base in every state you campaign in. And if you hold a significant base and you're consistent with that, with that significant base and everybody else is splitting the same base. Or you become the victor. But what it also says on the other side of that, Mr. Donaldson is that the vast majority of Republicans are actually not for Trump because Trump has never won the vast majority of Republican voters in any state in a Republican primary to date. He has always been in the minority when you calculate the number of votes that went to Trump and the number of votes that went to the aggregate total on the other side of him, his political opponents. What say you to that sentiment that literally most Republicans would prefer another candidate based on all voting in the Republican primary since he'd started. But he becomes the most exciting candidate in that minority of voters in the Republican Party that support him.
3: Yep, and we've already seen this. We got book on it. That's what happened in yep. 2016. That's exactly what happened. And we forget too. And I think even Trump's most diehard supporters, I don't think they really understood what Trump was. There was a confluence of events that allowed him to come to national prominence, whatever else you think. Hillary Clinton had a lot of unpopularity. There was a lot of well known there. He was an unknown. So people, hey, you heard it too. Hey, let's just take a shot on him. Let's try it. Let's see there was some of that stuff. Now you got years and years and baggage on top of it. He's less popular widely and more popular with that. Once again, to use the term because it's still one of the great things that's ever happened in politics to explain something The shoot people on Fifth Avenue folks. They're just gotten more and more diehard. Every indictment just calcifies what they already thought. Every attack calcifies, they're not going away and they're not changing in that little group of 25 to 30 to 35%, whatever number you want to use, they don't ever change. The problem is they don't realize there's never going to be another set of events that's going to get them another 10% or 12% or 13% that you need to win a wider election. So you're really in this death loop with this GOP primary now where they're going to probably nominate Donald Trump and he has no chance of winning a general election just on math.
0: You know, I hope you're right. Um, I don't know if you're right on that. I don't know if he has no chance, but damn, I hope you're right. Let me ask you this question, okay? What are your what are your thoughts about the RNC?
3: <laughs> it's a mess, but <laughs> here, here this this all goes together. What we're just talking about with Donald Trump, though, he the RNC did not want Donald Trump, and then tried to co op Donald Trump, and then got steamrolled by Donald Trump, and then everybody wonders why doesn't the RNC do anything about Donald Trump? Well, that's not how that works. They kind of got exposed a little bit that they didn't have control of their party because you got Donald Trump as their standard bearer for the last few years. And they haven't done anything other than try to placate Donald Trump voters, which means you don't do anything about Donald Trump themselves. So it's just kind of been the status quo that they're this second fiddle to whatever Donald Trump's doing. That's not a fixable problem. Uh, Trump's not gonna go away anytime soon, we'll see what happens after this election. They don't have any credibility with the Trump folks, with their own voters, with the country, with the other party. I don't, this may be a generational problem for the RNC where, and I think, and to be fair, I think the Democrats are gonna have some of this problem too after Biden because he was such an establishment candidate. I think it's gonna be biggest personality trumps the political parties for the near future. I don't think that's good for anybody's politics. I don't think it's good for anybody, but I think that's kind of gonna be the season we're in for the
0: foreseeable future. I agree with you on both sides. I think it's going to be an issue coming up with the Democratic Party. I think we've already seen it inside of the Democratic Party with the Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton dynamic. Uh, And I think it's going to become even more pronounced in the future. But right now the Republicans have an issue inside of their political outfit called the RNC, the RNC and the DNC. Made a significant mistake when they started to become the de facto surrogate of whoever the president was in that particular party. Because that now has eliminated your ability to actually hold someone accountable to a standard, a value standard that has been selected by the committee of that particular group. But at the end of the day, the RNC still, by law, retains the right to say no to a Donald Trump uh, nominee or nomination. If Donald Trump does not receive the delegates he needs to overcome that particular threshold, you have yourself a brokered convention yep. and a brokered convention. They can say no to Donald Trump and yes to how their brokerage goes down or how their brokered deal goes down. That is probably gonna be a disaster inside of the park, but mm-hmm. a needed one. What say you to that?
3: If it would ever actually happen, yeah, but I don't think you have enough people in an RNC to know how to do the mechanics mm-hmm. of an actual broker convention anymore. Like we've seen, you know, it's probably been 70, 80 years since we've actually yeah. seen real wheeling and dealing on the floor. You need to take what you just said, sir, and go one step further though. Because what really happened, we're seeing this with the super PAC because they're spending so much money and they're going around where they're doing the direct door knocking and stuff through the super PAC. They were already talking about spending $200 million just in Iowa alone. It's mind boggling. The problem the RNC and the DNC have now is they used to have the money, which means you had the power. Let's all be adults here. Now they don't have control over the streams of money anymore, which means they no longer have control over the streams of power. I don't have an answer how you fix that, but yeah. until you do, that's going to be the divergent point on how much power they got. Because if they don't have the money, they don't get to pick the candidate. It's just that simple.
0: I'm gonna tell you how you fix it, dear brother. You get people in positions who are real leaders. That's it. That's how you fix it.
3: You
2: Not a lot of those around,
0: though. Money. Not a lot of those around anymore. You're absolutely correct. Always a pleasure having you on the show. You're a straight shoot. I respect you significantly. Thank you for all that you do, man. All right? Anytime, sir. Cops, well, one in particular, shoots an unarmed veteran, remains on the force for an entire year before it is determined what he did was, in fact, wrong. Here's a video.
2: Hey, come here.
1: Hey, take your hands out of your pocket, bro. Take your hands
2: out of your pocket, bro. Take
1: your hands out of your pocket. It's not a gun, bro. Hey, drop it. What is Quinn, bro, you set up by the gun? Huh? Hey, drop it.
0: You heard one of the officers say, it's not a gun, bro. Let's put up the picture full mass. This picture was not easy to find. We covered this when it first happened. LAPD police sergeant Brett Hale is still on the job after shooting the mentally ill veteran last July because he mistook a car part the man was carrying for a gun, but he could face some level of discipline after the police civilian oversight committee ruled that he did break policy. Now remember, keep this picture up. The only discussion that's being had is if he will face discipline inside of his department, as if He mistakenly used the government email to send a private message. As if he took home government office supplies and should not have. He will face some level of discipline for shooting an unarmed man. Let's put up the other information and I want to commend watch the watchers. They were able to provide this information because this is what they do. And every time we have something like this, especially from the LAPD, there's a hide the pickle operation to try to make sure you do not have any picture of the officer nor their background. Let's put up his 2022 payments. His regular pay. He made, according to Watch the Watchers, almost $140,000. Overtime pay is over 21,000, other pay is over 18,000, health benefits over 11,000, retirement benefits roughly 64,000 plus. The Los Angeles Police Department, the Chief, Chief Moore and the Board of Police Commissioners agreed that even if Sergeant Brett Hayo Believed the man was armed, he should have exited his vehicle and reassessed the threat before taking action. The victim, 39 year old, Jermaine Petit, was shot in the jaw and shoulder and was promptly transported to a hospital. Let's put up the chief, Buck stops with him. I wanna remind everyone, we covered this on day one. What we saw clearly was a man being shot who did not deserve it. There was no weapon, there was no threat to law enforcement. He was experiencing a mental health crisis. On July 18th, the shooting happened after officers responded to a report of a man with a firearm and saw Petit walking along a sidewalk. Sergeant Hale, A supervisor in the Southwest Division was backing up two other officers who were trying to detain Petit along Obama Boulevard. Body worn camera footage captured the encounter as Sergeant Hale pulled alongside the US Air Force veteran and immediately ordered him to drop his gun, which there was none. Ignoring the officers, Petit continued toward the sergeant, prompting the sergeant to fire two shots at him in violation of his own stated policy. Police officials contend that footage provides a limited view of what happened on the scene. And Petit turned toward them multiple times while pointing a metallic object believed to be a firearm in their direction. I want you to stop at that point. This is the official narrative of the LAPD. The LAPD is saying, well, he had something that was metallic. And this metallic object resembled a gun. And the officers believed he had a firearm. That's not according to the video. According to the video, we clearly hear an officer say, it's not a gun, bro. And then after the shooting, it is reiterated on tape. There's more. Still, another officer, Daryl Glover, Glover, fired a single round at petite from behind after Glover's partner just stated, "It's not a gun, bro." Chief Moore reportedly said the next day, at a police commission meeting, that the object was actually a black metal latch actuator. It's a car part. On Tuesday, the board of police commissioners voted three. To zero, in agreement with Moore's determination that the sergeant's use of lethal force violated the department policy. Moore's decision, based on the findings of an extensive internal investigation, cited the sergeant's poor decision making, asserting that the sergeant's actions escalated the situation and created the circumstances which led to the use of lethal force. The chief's report acknowledged the nature of the call and said that the internal use of force review board would have preferred the sergeant not drive alongside the veteran. Instead, he should have pulled up to the officers, used his police vehicle as cover, issued commands to Petit, requested additional resources, and monitored Petit's direction of travel until those resources arrive. Any punishment for Sergeant Hale lies with the chief. However, details of disciplinary action within the department are rarely disclosed to the public according to the Los Angeles Times. Think about the frame or the framing of this particular scenario. No one is talking about what we should be talking about, which is criminal penalty against the officer, in particular, the one who was inside of the car. In violation of all stated policy, he acts counter to those policies. And there's a tragedy because of it. You do realize that if you're driving, if you're speeding, okay? Let's say it says you can't go beyond 70 miles per hour. That's your policy, that's your parameter. But you decide you would like to go 85, maybe you're in a rush. Maybe you're running late for work and you're going 85 miles per hour. Other people do it, it happens all the time. But this day, you're going 85 miles per hour, you end up causing a severe accident. What happens? Do you think? You get an entire year before they decide you may have broken the law, no. Do you think they let it go, that you have created a massive accident and a person could be severely injured or dead, no, you get charged. You get charged, not with mansrea, meaning, well, if somebody dies, you didn't mean for them to die. But you do get charged with gross negligence because you acted in a way that was so contrary to the rules stated that you should have known that this could have happened if you violate the rules that you adopted that you agreed to before you got behind that steering wheel. You see, those are the rules that apply to us. Those are not the rules that apply to them. All right, Jeff, you know the case. What are your thoughts dear brother?
1: What we have here is a combination of the ills of this country. It is sick. A lack of healthcare leading to a lack of mental health resources. A lack of individuals who can come and treat someone with some of the symptoms that come along with that. Adding to all of this is, and I don't say enemies of the state, I shouldn't say that. But agents of the state coming to do something that should be illegal and not only should get them fired, but get them put behind bars. All in combination to leading to so long for somebody to get justice in the situation. Again, it's sick and it's gross.
0: Yeah, well said. All right, we will bring updates as they come guaranteed to be so. Okay, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to indisputable i'm your host dr rashad richard we got a lot happening today but what do we do on this show we tell the truth you know why we tell the truth because the truth is simply indisputable rashad
1: great to be here congratulations on the new show and i gotta let everybody know that rashad and i go way back
0: people still need health care so i won't stop people still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country so i won't stop and you won't stop either